Welcome back to Pastor's Prophecy Hour, your midweek installment of the Greater Life Church podcast. I'm Landon, and in this episode, Pastor Andrew is going to be talking about the many distractions and pitfalls that seem to come up all the time here in the end times, and how discernment is even more important now than it's ever been. So without any further ado, let's get into it. You ready? 1 Timothy 4, 1. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, we've read this passage many times in Pastor's Prophecy Hour, but here we go again. It's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits. Can you tell me what the difference is when we see the word spirit in the Bible with a capital S and with a lowercase s? What's the difference? Human spirit or anything that is not the Spirit of the Lord, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, we've all, we've all agreed that uh, as we've talked through that, any of those connotations, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of Jesus, Holy Spirit, are the Holy Spirit. Now, so if it's a little s, it's a human spirit or a deceptive spirit or anything that is not God's spirit, which by the way, let me remind you, a human spirit is also a bad spirit. Jesus didn't die on the cross because we were okay. Our spirit needed the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? We needed a hostile takeover in our own spirit from the Spirit of the Lord. So in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits. Deceptive spirits and teaching that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. My gosh. Tonight we're talking about discernment, spiritual discernment. I told you guys last week that we would be looking at world religions, and we'll get to that. But as I was thinking and praying on this, I began to think about what was addressed in the backside of the Bible. What was addressed in the apocalyptic literature, in the book of Revelation, or be it Daniel, Ezekiel, what was addressed and by whom was it addressed? And so I found that I narrowed it down to, first of all, Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, that talks about the spirit of Jezebel. Now, I could spend several sessions talking about the spirit of Jezebel. We're not going to stay on that one subject but it made me pay attention that if Jesus is responding to the churches in Revelation, those letters to those churches, and talks about being wary of the spirit of Jezebel, then what other spirits might they be that we need to be conscious of? So I did a quick study, and, and we're looking at some of those tonight, and I'll be laying out some scriptures, but I'd like to start with the end if I can, because... As you've already heard, I have to let you out early. But I'm not a legalist, so I do what I want. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
I began to look at world religion, and then I kind of thought, thought to myself, what about American religion? And American religion began to take all kinds of tangents and offshoots of what we would consider true religion. So when you think about it, okay, Christianity, Protestant, Catholicism, these other major religions like Islam that have grabbed hold in our American culture. And we've talked about Luciferianism, which is at its core Satan worship, but it's been repackaged and presented as something that looks awfully familiar to a watered-down gospel. We've talked about Freemasonry. We've talked about these different things, but I want to talk to you about, before we go any further, about American religion. Let's first start with this idea, a religion that is called humanism. Humanism says in itself that we are God. If I am a humanist, that I believe that I can accomplish all things if I only put my mind to it. That somehow, some way, me and the people that are with me, humans, can work hard enough to solve all of the world's problems. We watched last week the video of this crazy robot that is being invented to do all of the mundane tasks that the humans don't want to do. The very sin of the Tower of Babel was humanism. That they figured out if we work hard enough, we can build a tower high enough that we can be like God. Eve's sin and Adam's sin to take of the fruit is said, I want to be like God. Why would they want to be like God unless they felt like they could become even like him or greater than him? Humanism at its core is the removal of our natural spiritual yearning. Did you know that they have to work really hard people in general when I say they? People have to work really hard and over a number of years to turn off the yearning for something more spiritually. But humanism at its core is not to say, choose this way or that, it's to say, choose no way at all because you and you alone is all there is. When you die, there's nothing, right? I thought to myself that maybe a Maybe I should be a little bit more aggressive with people that I know aren't people of faith. And maybe I should start with, hey, what do you think happens when you die? And then I begin to unpack that conversation in my mind. What would they say? How would they react? Well, if they're a humanist, they would say, what? Nothing. It's just over. To which my response would be internally, how sad. Because I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm thankful for the blessed life that I have. I'm thankful that God's provided my needs. I'm thankful that I've got a wonderful family and a wonderful church. I'm thankful for all of that. But there have been times and seasons where I look around and say, if this is it, anybody ever had a bad day? Anybody ever had a Wednesday? Hump day, right? And you get to that point and you feel like, man, I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm spent. And the humanist would say that, the day at the beach when everything's perfect and you're looking out among the waves, that is the best it ever gets. But can I tell you that even to think of life without 
an infilling of the Holy Spirit and a relationship with Jesus, even to think about it makes me shudder, makes me sad. Because I've been serving him for so long now that it's, it's second nature for me to talk to him even when I don't even think I'm talking to him. To think about even my own loved ones that may have walked away from the faith. The friends that I know that at some point had some type of relationship, yet they bought this thing that says, I'm a humanist. I believe that. Now, they would never say that. But humanism is just as much a religion as anything else. I think we've established that atheism is more religion than, <laughs> than Christianity at its core. You have to have more faith to believe there is no God. So American religion, can I tell you that humanism is not just on the rise, but a nation that still says, when surveyed, around 65 to 70% of people still say, I identify as a Christian. Now, if we've learned anything about that phrase, I identify as, we know that don't mean anything. It ain't who you are. And I'm not talking about biology, I'm talking about spirituality. The second religion that has grabbed a hold in America is called environmentalism. Oh. Can I tell you that the green movement in our nation that is now costing billions upon billions of dollars and many, many thousands of jobs. Pastor, are you saying we shouldn't take care of our world? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying it has become a religion to people. And you don't have to look far to see it. Environmentalism has become this thing. Why? What is the core of the environmentalist? is directly connected to the humanist because they can, they're saying that if we can just figure it out, our world will stop decaying and we can live forever here. That my grandkids and their grandkids and their grandkids can live forever here. But if the world falls apart, don't worry, we got Mars. Okay. Where's Billy at? I think she's teaching tonight. I don't even know if we made it to the moon yet. Anyway, back to this. Man, he needs to get off YouTube. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> One of these days, the Lord's going to send me an astronaut to my church, and I'm going to be like, okay, all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but isn't it audacious to believe that we can... Can I just tell you, hurricanes are hitting Florida right now, and it's scary. That makes what happens on Mars look like a cakewalk. And we only know from a satellite that might see it and catch it in that stupid little rover that they say rides around on the planet and gets hit with all the sand and the storms and we want to live there? Why? Because environmentalism is a religion. They feel if they work hard enough, they can save the world. And if they save the world, did you know that I read this past week that there are now people up in arms? This is not a joke. 
up in arms for, because we're colonizing space and destroying the potential lives that are out there by flying through it. Read it? I read it. If I read it, and I read it on a reliable source, the internet. But I read that. That one won't even make it into pastor's prophecy hour, but it did. Another religion in America is called governmentalism. Ooh. Now, 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 let me talk to you, church. If you were thinking, well, that's only one side just now, then you better stop thinking that way. Because I've heard, I've heard and I've even been sent, people have sent me some clips of some screaming preachers that I look at them and go, what is your problem? Chill. Can I tell you something? I vote. You should vote. But my salvation is not in the White House. Never will be, never has been. Governmentalism has become this thing that we begin to, I'll put it, this is the question. Do you think more about who is the president or more about Jesus? Well, okay, okay, you guys are answering, okay. But, but that's the question. Because if you think more about, consume more content, think and consider more about what's going on in the government than you do about what's going on in your own spiritual walk and life with Jesus and with the Lord of heaven and earth, then you got to swing that pendulum back the other way, right? I, I love politics. I love news. I love headlines. I love it. But I also discovered something in my life. The more I read, the more upset and angry I'd be. Because there's always a headline that says, tomorrow, everything's changing. <laughs> you see, the, the, the scripture says that no man knows the day or the hour when Jesus will return. So maybe some of these people should stop saying tomorrow and say, we don't know when it's going to get different or better, but we're just going to keep praying and trusting the Lord with the outcome. Another religion, and I know I'm, I know I'm not stepping on any toes here tonight, because you have no reason to fall into this category. Pastor worship. <laughs> it's a thing. And God help us. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor worship. First Corinthians chapter three, verse four. Paul is speaking, says, when one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who's Apollos? Who's Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Is it okay to like your pastor? Yes, please. But, the pastor worship movement that says, I, I, I'm, I'm here because of this and, and, and I follow this one and I listen to that one. And uh, Paul said it, we all work for the same one and his name is Jesus and he's in charge. 
The fact that he may bless this one in a certain time period, in a certain area of her, his or her life, in a certain building, in a certain way, the fact that his blessing and his favor might be following this one for a, for a season speaks more of about who God is yeah, than who he or she is. <laughs> Come on. Can I just tell you, I'm reminded every day when I look at your faces, how great God is to you, somebody like me. When I was walking in from there and I, and I walked in and I thought to myself, man, it looks like Sunday morning. And then I was reminded, well, we got the partitions up, so everybody's right here in the middle. <laughs> so I was like, man, it looks like Sunday morning. Oh, yeah, we got the partitions up. <laughs> but there is a thing and there is a false People have been more caught up with what the preacher says than what the word says. Exegesis, which is the unpacking and preaching of the word, is important, but man, friends, we got to read it on our own too. Finally, there's something that is almost directly connected to that, but it's unrelated church worship. I was speaking to someone here just tonight that. Uh, said something on the lines of, hey, you know, I really in, enjoy the preaching that's here on Wednesday night, and uh, it's a lot like my preacher on Sunday morning, and I, and I, and I said, hey, we use the same book. <laughs> I mean, hey, <laughs> as long as we're using the same book, you know. But I, I feel that there is what I would consider... Um, maybe some confusion in the way that God moves. As long as I've been a pastor, I've, I've met other pastors that have this thing that they say, like, we're, listen, we're not going to steal sheep. Uh, to which I respond, at least internally, like, I don't know if you could if you tried, because I don't feel... Like that's the way God works. You see, because when you put it that way, it's like God has these churches that operate in micro universes within themselves, but that's not how it works. You see, God doesn't just own the pieces in the chess game. He owns the board too. And so when someone comes to me and says, listen, I'm going to go and, and, and obey the Lord in ministry over here. I'm like, God bless you. When someone comes to me and says, hey, you know, I've been praying. I really feel like greater life is where I'm supposed to be. And I can't tell you, every time Kelly and I have, a, have an, an, an engagement with a new person, these words have been repeated over and over again because it's been our prayer. God, would you draw people into this house that need to be here? As I said, we, we drove by and we just kept getting drawn, drawn, drawn. And it's happened. It's like it's common now. But that's because we've been praying for the Lord to send us the folks that need to be with us. So somebody comes to me that I know and love and say, I feel I'm, I'm called to go and help Pastor Anthony and Pastor Sheila. My response is, God bless you. Hey, Anthony, <laughs> did you know so-and-so is going with you? But I think that's how God designed it. I, I, I grew up in a church with my dad, the pastor. 
And it was quite strange for me to now go to another church that my dad wasn't the pastor because he was a pastor for so many years. And it must be strange for my kids that they go here because I'm here. <laughs> and that's okay, and I'm thankful for that. But when we moved to Spring Hill and had to find a church, it was weird. Remember? But how many of you guys know that the Lord directs our steps, and so we found the right one for the right time. God used us in that house to be a blessing. So when you look at American religion, you find humanism, you find environmentalism, you find governmentalism. You find pastor worship and even church worship. Can I just make it simple on us? That we love Jesus, and this is going to be audacious, this is going to be strange. But can I tell you, convenience matters in people's lives? Why do you think we're planting churches in different places? Because people live there. And we have identified some places like a lot, you know, we've got quite a few people that live there. Let's put a church there. And so we do that. And then God grows it. And so it is okay as long as it's a church and a ministry that teaches the Word of God without reservation, without edit. So let's talk about the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel was the queen to Ahab in Israel. Jesus mentions this spirit by name. I don't have time to get in the spirit of Jezebel in that sense, but let's talk about some spirits. Did you know in Scripture that there are spirits assigned to certain characteristics? So I put it this way. They aren't necessarily given names, but they're giving an assignment according to what they're doing. So that's the truck driver. That's the delivery man. That's the chef. Does that make sense? That's the way that Jesus and the New Testament approached the spirit realm. In Acts chapter 16, we see an encounter with what is called the spirit of divination. The spirit of divination. Divination being witchcraft. And divination is a word that encompasses many, many things. Pastor, what does this have to do with prophecy? Well, there's a certain quarterback that was interviewed who admittedly said that every weekend before the game, my wife goes in and sets an altar before me. And then she does some chants over me. So I'm ready to play. I'm not going to tell you who they are. But they're good and they used to play for the Patriots. <laughs> now, dig a little deeper. You can find out that his wife is openly admitting that she is a witch. Spirit of divination. And what we're finding now is even in schools, they have clubs for Satanists, even in schools. The argument, of course, is if there's a Christian club, then there should be the alternative. And, and here's what that Satanist club leader said, quote, we're not really a Satanist club. 
We just want to provide options for those that don't want to go to that club. Pick something else. Spirit of divination is also a spirit of deception. To think that I could go to someone that has, quote unquote, ESP or psychic powers and find out something. Is all of that real? Yes. But the source of that information is demonic. I would argue that the demonic source is more of a manipulation of a fact than it is an unknown fact. The spirit of bondage found in Romans. The spirit of bondage that's found in Romans that I need to give you a definition for what bondage means. It means bondage. And I know it, it's silly, but frankly, the opposite of bondage is what? To be free. So Paul says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. His spirit joins with our spirit. Our human spirit needs to be joined to his spirit or else we're still lost, right? A spirit of bondage could be, name it, could be any addiction, could be any bondage, could be any mental or physical struggle. Romans 11.8 gives us another spirit, and this is an interesting one. It's a spirit that God has not given us. Slumber. Fear's, fear's another one. We'll get to that one in a second. You see, God hasn't given you a spirit of slumber. Man, it feels like that sometimes, though. Before you think I'm coming at you about taking a nap, you can take a nap. But what this scripture is talking about in the New Living Translation, God has put them into a deep sleep. Speaking of the people whose hearts are hardened in these last days. To this day, shut their eyes so they do not see, close their ears so they do not hear. Speaking of the majority of the Jewish nation. In a lull, feeling as if everything's okay. But God has not given you that spirit of slumber. The spirit of the world found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 12. Now this one is huge. And Jesus says, we are not to be lovers of the what? World. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. So when we love the world, that's what we're committed to, devoted to. And we don't want to be caught up, wrapped up in the spirit of the world. And we received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So the spirit of the Lord keeps us blinded to what God wants to do in our lives. Do you see that? 
You see, when you have the spirit of the world, you can't experience the fullness of God's love because you're wrapped up. You love the world. The spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, of course, we know. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, a sound mind. Mark chapter 1, chapter 5, chapter uh, 6, again in Luke, and again in the other gospels, there's the unclean spirit, which is speaking of anything that is not God's spirit. These demon-possessed people that Jesus would encounter. Interestingly enough, in Mark chapter 9, verse 25, we see that there is a mute and deaf spirit that Jesus calls out by name. You mute and deaf spirit, leave him now. Now, can I do some sideline teaching if I can? So there is this idea in Pentecostalism specifically that the mutant deaf spirit argues the fact that physical, physical disabilities and issues and sicknesses are now in this category of spiritual in nature. But when the woman with the issue of blood was healed, Jesus didn't call forth the spirit of the issue of blood. When Peter's mother was healed, there was no call forth to a spirit of the flu. See, to me, the only time, and when, when the blind man was healed of his blindness, it wasn't spirit of blindness opened the eyes. You with me? No, only in this context was there mute and deaf spirit that he called upon this child. And the reason why I say that is because sometimes cancer is not a spirit of cancer. It's just you ate like an American your whole life. Did you all know that everything causes cancer or just about? Y'all know, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything new. They do a long enough study on anything, it causes why. What is cancer? Cancer is simply a sick cell, right? And it could be anywhere. And it even could be hereditary, but leukemia is not a spirit of leukemia. Are you with me? So, so when I pray for healing, I pray for healing because I'm asking God to heal the physical sickness. Because sometimes there's no spiritual reason other than the fact that we live in a fallen world and sin has brought sickness into our bodies in general. Yet there is room for discernment. And when you're praying and you feel in your spirit, there is something spiritual in nature that there is an anxiety or depression and there is a spiritual reason that this is here. Or there is, a, there is something wrong with the leg and, and maybe they've done these tests and they don't know what's happening so there's something spiritual here. So there's room for that. But I would just tell you to be careful with the one that attaches a spirit to everything. Sometimes it has nothing to do with that. Sometimes it has things to do with you made bad decisions and now there's a consequence. I know I'm messing some of y'all up. But I, I, I just want you to be with me in an understanding of in these last days, 1 Timothy 4.1 says we've got to be discerning in spirits. 
Acts chapter 19, we read about an evil spirit that was cast out. The sons of Sceva story that was mentioned a few weeks ago. Spiritual things are very real. But when we take a step back and also understand that the spiritual matters must be dealt with in spiritual ways, and if we over-spiritualize things that shouldn't be spiritualized, then we've found our balance. We, we, we cannot be over here where everything's a spirit because it's, it's not. And we, we can't be over here where nothing is a spirit, right? But we've got to be here and by listening to the leading of the capital S, Holy Spirit, discern what is spiritual and what is not and walk in that. Pastor, what if I make a mistake? <laughs> well, his mercies are new every morning and there is grace unceasing and full of glory. Amen? Because guess what? We are going to make mistakes. And before you say that's the spirit of the mistake, <laughs> or say, well, that's not spiritual. That's somewhere right here, right here. Maybe you didn't discern that one correctly. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity that we've had to talk about discernment and spiritual matters. Pray you just lead us and guide us as we go from here. Thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. Thank you for building your church. All over this city and all over this world, I pray, God, you would make us, me as the pastor, these Find people, Lord, as the part of this family. Make us be people of discernment. May we lean in to these last days to see a harvest like we've never seen before. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Pastor's Prophecy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from Greater Life Church, including our Sunday morning services, go to our website, greaterlife.church. 